Jesus. Jesus. My favorite topic. Your favorite topic. Everyone's favorite topic. Jesus. Jesus is... I probably should start every Sunday, every, every class this week. Jesus is the true Messiah. But what does Messiah mean? The anointed one. An anointed one is the Hebrew translation to the Greek word, which is? Christ. Which is why we are all called Christians. So you guys got it. All right. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So we've been talking about Jesus' life and ministry and um, mainly focusing on the words, just the last one, but his words and his actions and talking about the historical situation that they were going through, where the Jews in control of their territory, who was in control? The Romans and their puppets. I'm not a puppet. You're a puppet. Their puppets were in control, right? So, in the, in the land, the Jews did not have control over their own land at that time. So, there were different parties, right? We talked about different factions. You had Sadducees who wanted to work with Rome, who wanted to collaborate with Rome. We call them collaborators. We had um, Essenes who wanted to escape into the desert and pray for the end, but didn't really do a lot. We had Pharisees who wanted to work on becoming the most holy, righteous people on earth so that the Messiah would come. You had zealots. And what were zealots trying to do? Overthrow. Overthrow, right? They wanted to start a revolution. A what kind of revolution? A armed revolution. They wanted to do an armed revolution. They wanted to get their... AKs, no. What do they have? Swords. Swords. Get their swords. Get their spears. Get their shields, right? Um, and so in that background, we've got all these different groups. Jesus is doing his first major speech. His, his mission project, his kind of thesis statement is the kingdom of God is near, right? And he starts his Sermon on the Mount. The first thing he talks about are the Beatitudes. We talked about the Beatitudes and about his reinterpretation of Scripture, you guys want to learn about that, go to my previous message on that. But today, I wanted to go to Matthew chapter 5, where is it 6? Matthew 6. There's a lot of stuff we're skipping over, but you guys, if you have questions, let me, let me know. But chapter 5, verse... Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 and 39. And actually, this is still part of Jesus' reinterpretation of the Old Testament, right? He said, I am fulfilling the law. I'm not come to abolish the law. And, but I'm not going to fulfill it in the way that you're looking for me to do, right? I have my program, which is to change you from the inside out, right? Not to, because um, the vision is of that Isaiah 6, was it Isaiah 6 vision? What's the Isaiah 6 vision? Isaiah 6 vision is the vision of the bear and the lion and the um, tiger and what other wild animals. And who is leading them, Salani? Uh, a little child, right? 
a little child and so that in that vision of the new world right is a world without where these beasts have been changed from the inside out and in that world that's where Jesus is talking about in this in this new world we look at murder differently we look at adultery differently we don't just look to you know you know check a couple of boxes but to change our character and we talk about now we go to Matthew chapter 5 verse 38 and he kind of talks here about Violence, particularly. So, start with with verse thirty-eight. Uh, so, anyone to read? Matthew five, verse thirty-eight. Okay, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Okay, so I'm going to put Selects on this spot. I think he's going to be so happy he's come back. Selects, you're living in your house with your family, and God forbid, evildoer walks into your house <laughs> yes. wanting to do evil things. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do, Selects? <laughs> Contact the authorities. <laughs> Is that what you're going to do, Alex? Uh, it depends. Mm. Wow. So Selex is coming prepared with his own verse view, and he's coming back with a challenge. What is this verse? You read it for me, then. The right to bear arms. No, what does it, it say? The thief is caught in the act of breaking into the house and is struck and killed in the process. The person who killed the thief is not guilty of murder. Okay, and then an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? But, but your Jesus is reinterpreting or re-understanding an Old Testament law, and you present to me what? Old Testament law. So it's like, um, okay, all right, nice. So if a thief be found breaking up and be smitten, then he died. Breaking up, I don't, okay, that translation is confusing to me anyway. What is a... If a thief is found breaking up, I don't know what that even means. Exodus chapter 22, verse 2. Does anyone have a translation that's a little bit easier to understand? Easy, easy version for my um, my small mind. If a thief is, thief is caught breaking in, at yeah, the... yeah, right. If a thief is caught in the act of breaking in and he is beaten to death, no one is guilty of bloodshed. So, excellent. Right. So that's actually the law. It's actually a law, self-defense. Self-defense law, right? So, so what is, what is Jesus doing? Uh, so, Jesus walks in on the Sermon on the Mount. Selects is sitting in the audience with his concealed carry, and he is the the uh, he is ready to start the revolution. Jesus comes up and says, "Don't resist an evildoer." Who's right? I'm not saying that Selects is coming up against Jesus. But I'm, I'm saying, like, who's right? What is, what's going on here? Well, Jesus said, do not resist an evildoer. What is going on? Is Jesus saying that if somebody breaks into your house, you're not supposed to do everything in your power to protect your family? 
So I think we've already gone off course. We've, we've, uh, I started this question incorrectly. I shouldn't have brought up, like, for some reason, this is what we do all the time, by the way. For some reason, I took Jesus, I gave you all of this historical context about the Roman Empire and these four factions and the Sermon on the Mount and all the people of the first century, and I, I took Jesus from there and I ripped him out and I put him in 2019 and I asked you a question that had no relevance <laughs> to what Jesus said. This is how we go wrong, right? That you, so Lex should have said, or any of you guys should have said, Sanju, I don't, I think you're taking Jesus out of context. I think you're misinterpreting and bending what Jesus said because you've got to take Jesus in the audience that he's talking to. Who is he talking to? Yeah, he's talking to an oppressed people. He is not thinking about somebody living in their suburban house worried about criminals breaking in. It's not, it's not, that's not what Jesus is in issue right there. So for us to have, even have this debate is ridiculous. Because that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about that. He's talking about a situation of an oppressed people. With a coalition of, with, a, with an empire that's beating down on them. Soldiers that can rip into your house and take your stuff forcing you to pay taxes that you do not want to pay, right? Taking your stuff, uh, people that you don't vote for, taxation without representation, and they're angry and they're frustrated and they see the Roman soldiers all as evildoers. When Rome sends its people, it doesn't send its best. It sends its meanest soldiers who come to defeat and, and hurt the, the people. So Jesus is confronting this situation of people. And he's saying to them, what is our options with respect? To them? And, you, and you see this in oppressed people throughout the world. What's another country that didn't have control over its territory? Libya? Libya? Something closer to home. Uh, Kerala? Kerala, India, right? It was India yeah. several years, decades ago. Was not in control of its own country. Was in control of who? The British. The British. Or African Americans in the South. Were they in control of their country? Now you're, you're thinking, what is this? What are you doing, man? Your leftiness. Your leftiness is showing. I'm not. I'm not. Don't throw me out yet. All right? A African Americans in the South. What were they going through? Well, yeah, but I'm talking about Jim Crow. <laughs> of course, slavery, right? But, but um, let's... Segregation. Right, segregation, Jim Crow, right? Did they have control over their government? No, right? Through violent terrorist attacks from the Democratic Party, mind you, and we can talk about that history, right? I know you wanted to say that, right? The Democrats were the terrorists, right? So the Democrats had their terrorist organization after the Civil War, known as the KKK, right? violently resisted African Americans who were newly freed from being able to vote. Because they weren't able to vote, what happened? You had racist legislatures throughout the South, including this one, right? Came into power, and what did they do? They, they oppressed the people. In that situation, African Americans in the South, after Jim Crow, Indians under the control of a foreign leader, 
what do you do? Right? How do you resist this outside power? <coughs> the answer is maybe, you know, like if I started my army and we started, we, we went up against, we went up against the Roman Empire, what's going to happen to us? We start, we, we join a team, we put all of our weapons together, we come out against the Romans, what's going to happen? Crunch, right? It's not a, not, not a smart strategy. We could do, I guess their, their version of that would be maybe, I don't know, did they have explosives back then? Probably not. But whatever their act of guerrilla warfare, they could have maybe done. Catapults. Maybe they could have run around trying to do stuff. Or Jesus could have joined forces with another power. Remember the temptation of Jesus? What is the temptation of Jesus? Right. Bow down to Lucifer. Lucifer will give you the power of Jesus, and you can go attack, take over the world violently. Which is funny, right? Because the 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 full circle of that to 2019, or maybe in the future, some guy who maybe is born, maybe not born yet, some guy is going to do what? He's going to make a deal with the devil. And they are going to join forces. They are going to take over the world. Who is that person? The Antichrist. Right? So it's interesting. The Antichrist will choose the exact opposite. Remember, this all is going to lead to this final confrontation. Jesus is looking at the Antichrist. And said, the Antichrist will pick the devil to take over the world. But I am not choosing that path. What path am I choosing? The path of victory in the world or death on a cross, right? It's amazing the example that Jesus is providing to us here in this situation. It's not about your suburban lifestyle with whether you should have guns in your house or not. It's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is how do we deal with the evil force that's in control of our country? How do we resist that force? Do we resist it violently? Does he call the people to come out and violently go against the Romans so they can establish their own powerful kingdom? And then they can oppress their own people, right? Their own minorities. Are there minorities living other than the Romans in Judea? What are those minorities' names? Don't call them minorities. No. Who, who are the minorities living in Judea at that time? Well, in, in Palestine. There was a guy who was going to Jericho. Samaritans. The Samaritans, right? Samaritans were another group of people. What were their story? They were mixed breeds. They were mixed breeds? Yeah. Where did they come from? I mean, no, nowhere. <laughs> they were <laughs> Yeah, I think the the scholarly idea of it is is that remember Israel was flattened by the Assyrians? What did the Assyrians what was their um, their policy, their evil policy, their their new app for evil, wickedness, 
was they would come and take one group of people and push them into another spot, and then take another spot and put them in their spot, and just do this whole kind of mixing and matching. So they took out the Israelites, and they put in another group of people. That group of people intermixed, did all a bunch of things, and they kind of followed the Jewish law and the tradition, but they did it their own way. Because they did it their own way, the, the quote-unquote pure Jews did not look at them as being up to their standard. They looked at them as being second class, not full Jews, fake Jews, right? Right? So it's like, there could have been some other guy who would have said, you know what, Jesus, your story is interesting. I'm going to come, I'm going to take over, I'm going to kick out the Romans because they don't belong in Judea. Judea for Jews. I'm going to kick out these Samaritans as well. Why do we need these men? That could have been a way forward as well. Again, Jesus' mission wasn't to be co-opted by these people. Right? His mission was, and if you show that in that slide, it says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. And that is a very perplexing statement that Jesus says. Right? If I came here and I went to any of you, scary men, and I slapped you on your side, what would your advice to me be? Your advice to me would be run the other direction because I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you, right? There's no other way, there's no other way that could end, right? There's no other way that could end. What why is Jesus telling us to do something that's completely against human nature? This is the hardest teaching in the Bible. People talk about all kinds of other things. Why is he telling us if someone hits you on one side, you turn him to the other side also? Huh? Show humility? Yeah. Again, it's about that being changed from the inside out. Showing love to those who mistreat you. Seeing the humanity in others in a way that, that the world doesn't look at each other. We all, you know, we're very good at, at it's very common in social science if you think about it, right? Like, if there is a bad kid among your social group, a bad Malayali kid, what are you going to say, right? Are you going to say, you know those Malayali boys. I, actually, this is a bad example. <laughs> but <laughs> the, those, Mali, those Malayali boys, they're all messed up. They're all, they're all something else. Their parents never took care of them. Is that what you're going to say? Likely not, right? You're going to say, you know, there must have been something wrong with him. Something went wrong in his lifestyle. Something went wrong with the, his, his uh, parents. But if it's some other group, uh, some other group of people, I won't name them, and if one person in that group does something bad to you, what do you say? They're all like that. Isn't that natural? Isn't that how we always create these distinctions between people? Oh, that group of people, that's what they are. That's how, that's how they live. That is the, the mindset of cruelty that, that this world does. And Jesus is challenging that. And then he's, he talks about it. If you should show the slide on this one. And then... I'm going to show you something. As for the one who wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat as well. 
And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. So if you look at this, this is a big piece of, I don't know, some sort of rock in the middle of the ground. What do you see if you go down the highway? Any highway? Mile markers. Mile markers, right? And so all throughout the empire, very organized empire, they have these mile markers to let you know how far you're going. So how many know people know that Roman soldier, Roman soldier has some gear? Right? I don't know, what kind of gear does he have? Probably some swords, some knives, some breastplates of righteousness. I don't think the Romans had that. He had something, probably some other horrible torture device in his bag of tricks, right? He probably had some food. He had a lot of stuff to carry with him, right? And he had to bring it along on these long marches, and he had to go from place to place. So he's in Judea among these people that he hates. They hate him, feelings mutual. He sees Josiah. Josiah, carry myself. Josiah is going to be so excited to do this. No? <laughs> well, what, what is, is Josiah, it doesn't really matter if Josiah is happy to do this or not. Because I've got, I've got the authority, I've got the power, I've got the bigger sword. You're not gonna, you're not gonna win this fight. You're gonna take my stuff. We're gonna walk one mile. Mile is done. What am I expecting Josiah to do? Keep going. No. no put the stuff down. Yeah. Put the stuff down, and I'll go grab someone else, and they'll come with me. Another mile. Everybody. Everybody in the crowd, when they heard the next sentence, I mean, they're already gasping for air after the turning of the cheek part, right? They're like, what is this guy talking about? Then, when he said, walk with him another mile, the, the laughter in the audience turned into what? Yeah, the, the laughter in the audience turned into anger. They're like, what is this guy? Walk with him a second mile? Walk with that murderer a second mile? Walk with that killer, that oppressor of our people a second mile? Do him a favor? What, what is this man talking about? Right? The, the armed men in the audience were now really frustrated. But again, Jesus is challenging them because he is saying, I'm not here for your program. You're here to put the messiahship on me of whatever you, your intention of a messiah is, which is what we do always. Jesus, we want you to be my messiah, which is you solve my problems. But Jesus says, I'm your messiah, I'm your Lord, not the other way around. And so you walk the other mile. What does that do? It changes the mind that moment. There's something different about these people. Maybe after that mile, second mile, he walks with Josiah. The soldier asked Josiah, Josiah, that, that was amazing. You walked two miles with me. 
Uh, no one in your community would ever do that for, for me. They all look at me as a horrible person. What made you do that? Jesus told you. Exactly. Jesus told you to, right? As always, the easiest question is the first. What have we been talking about? Always the easiest answer to any Bible quiz question, Jesus. Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. Um, and Jesus is the true, what? The true Messiah. Jesus is true Messiah, which means what? What does the Messiah mean? Huh? What? Right, but what is the meaning of Messiah in English? Anointed one. Translated into Greek is Christ. Is why we are called Christians, right? We are called Christians, right? So, keep on going. And we, yeah, we talked about that, and yeah, we started. Yeah, go back to the other one before. Yeah, so we've been doing, uh, talking about things that Jesus said and did and, and all of that. In the context of his life, right? Oh, we got to do a little rearranging. But what's the biggest, the first big speech that Jesus says in Matthew? The sermon on the mount. Sermon on the mount. Uh, Matthew called it. Sermon on the mount. And probably the most famous speech of all time. Arguable. Right? I think so. Chapter 5, verse 43, if anyone can read it. Matthew 5, verse 43. It's probably hard to read from there, so if you have that Bible, it doesn't translate well. It's little words. Matthew 5, verse 43 to 44. Yeah. You have heard that it has been said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's interesting just to start off with. When he says, you have heard that it was said, where does he come, where is that from, actually? You have heard that it was said that you should 
Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Hmm. Uh, you go to Leviticus 19, verse 18. It just says, do not, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Right? So, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, what does he say? I say unto you, thou shalt, what? Pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So if you go back, it's like, Love your enemies. Okay, you go back. It might be easier to just look back here because it's so uh, small. Go to the next one. Next slide. Does it, anyone know what this thing is? Yeah, have you, any, any of you guys ever heard of Strong? Strong's? It's, if you're really wanting to be nerdy, and I know all of you want to be nerdy. Is is goes it's strong's S T R O N G Strong's confidence. What what this thing is very useful is it, it it takes every single word in the New Testament and gives you the Greek translation of it and tells you every single time that Greek word was used. Because remember the Bible wasn't written in English, it was written in Greek, right? So these are all the Greek words to that sentence. Because uh, love your enemies, that, that by itself just sounds contradictory, right? Like, by definition, almost you wonder, like, if they're my enemy, by definition, I'm not loving them. Because they're my enemy. So it's, it's hard right from the start. So I gave you the, the, all these Greek words here. But I say to you, love. And what's the word love that's used there? You read it. What is it? The word love in Greek. Agape. Agapate. That's interesting, right? Because I don't know how you, you guys ever studied Spanish? So Spanish, isn't there like a different there's a come out, the command tense? You know? Mande or oblé, no? You learn this don't you have some Spanish speaking patients? Right? There's a command tense, right? So agapate means to love. But I say I command to love. What is the agape? Love. You go to the next one. Agapo. Agape. What does agape mean, Steve? Hmm? What does agape mean? Love. love. What kind of love? Special kind of love. What kind of special kind of love? The most special kind. <laughs> We can compare, before we get to Agape, we'll go to the next one. Go to the next one. What, what is this kind of love? This is a city in Pennsylvania. Some of you guys are from that city. My cousin's from this city. It's called Philadelphia. And they call themselves the city of brotherly love. But do they, you get a lot of brotherly love in Philadelphia? Or do you get some, uh, <laughs> some other kind of love? Right? I mean, have you ever watched that French, 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 French,
he was living in Wesson with us, and then what, 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 what did the bad guys do to Will Smith? They push him out. They, they, no, but they put up, like, they pick him up, and they start twirling him in the air, right? 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 They did it, right? Am I, am I making it up? They, they pick him up in the air, and they start twirling him, right? You remember this. Yes. And then his mom, his mom said, you're moving with your auntie and your uncle in Bel Air, right? Because, because Philadelphia wasn't that nice. <laughs> it was kind of dangerous. West Philadelphia. Okay, all right, West Philadelphia. Fine. But the point is, what I lost the track. Anyway, brotherly love. And what, and what kind of love is that? It's the love of friendship, regard, with affection, church. It's the kind of love that you have for people. You know, it's it's not it's not a love that is something you choose necessarily, right? Why do I love the friends that I have? Because they're good to me. I'm good to them, right? They're kind to me. I'm kind to them. We have fun. We we go to church together. We're from the same race. We all are the same shade of brown, right? Those are the those are the friends we have, right? Friends, not it's affection. Oh, Steve, how you doing, Steve? Doing? I'm doing well, Steve. That's friendship, brotherly love. Remember, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me, agape, and uh, Peter said what? I love you in this kind of love, this friendly, affectionate, intimate love. But that divine love is different. So then you go to the, the one before this. <coughs> no. Uh, yeah. So you contrast that to... <laughs> I love to take pleasure in long for denotes the love of reason and esteem. It's kind of difficult to understand. How would you describe a gap for I choose to love you. Agape love. Then, so, so that's the kind of love that Jesus commanded us to have. Not, not to be friendly with our enemies, which would be contradictory, right? That's why, we, that's why we get confused, right? What does it mean to love my enemies? Does it mean I have to be a friend to my enemies? It doesn't compute. 
It's just not possible. But he's doing this higher level of, I command you to take this choice to have this preference for this well-wishing, for this idea that I want the best for this person and I've decided intentionally that I want to have the best for this person, whoever it is. That's the agape love. Then go two more slides forward. And now this word is ectros. Ectros. Patros. I don't know. Ectros. Hostile. Hostile. Means an enemy, someone openly hostile, animated by deep-seated hatred, irreconcilable hostility. I mean, first of all, we're not supposed to have that kind of treatment to others. But Jesus is not commanding us not to be... Jesus' command isn't, I tell you not to be hostile to others. That would have been easy enough, right, Steve? Steve, don't be hostile to others. Okay. Don't be an enemy to others. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is already assuming... What? That you have enemies. That you have people who are hostile to you. Right? So... Your enemies are hostile. They only want bad for you. They're the type of people who want to take your stuff, take your lunch money, use it for themselves. You know? Have you met any, anyone like this? I don't know. <laughs> don't, don't, you, don't, don't raise your head. <laughs> people who take advantage of you, right? Mystery you. Whenever they see you, they come up with new ways of messing you up. Or maybe, maybe that's your opinion of them. Maybe they could care less about you. But that's what you think of them. This person has it only in for me and has only mistreated me, only been out to get me, only has negative things to say about me. So, Steve, this enemy, just stay away from him. Right? That would be nice enough. Just stay away from them. Just, just ignore them. That's what your parents tell you if you have a bully. Just ignore them. Just leave them alone. Just stay away from them. Don't start a fight with them. They're hostile. Maybe that could have been the command. I could deal with that. But what was the command? Love them. If you go back to slides, go back to the picture. And then Luke takes it to an even higher level. Luke says, Luke 6, 27, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And so Luke is giving you kind of fleshing out what that love is like. He's saying, I want you not only to just love them in a kind of generic sense, but I want you to do actively good to those who hate you, to bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. To look for the good, to work for the good, work for the good of those who are actively hostile to you. Is it possible? Would I, even you say that that was a good person who did that? What does it sound like? Like you're being a doormat. 
Like you're being a doormat. <laughs> the worst thing in the world in this society to be is to be a doormat. And someone who's considered a doormat. What's a doormat? Everyone walks on you. They dry, when their feet are all muddy and rainy and messed up, they come on the doormat, they clean off their shoes so that they can walk in the house. Nobody, nobody looks at it a different way. Like, it just... Well, huh? They use you to get inside the house. They use you to get inside. Take advantage of you. Is that what Jesus is saying we should be? Then what is it? Is it to be a doormat, right? Then what is it? Huh? You're just kidding. <laughs> Love your enemies. What does it mean, Chris? To not hate them. No, but we, we already talked about what love is, right? Love, actively, intentionally wanting the best to pray for them and to bless them and to do good for them. That's what love is. So what is he, what are we supposed to do for them? To our enemies. Luke says to pray for them. <laughs> pray for them. Well, praying for them is, 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 is okay, right? So we could pray for them. How do you pray for them? Oh, God. So one way to pray for them is to say, God, make them feel just 1% of what I'm feeling. <laughs> How many of you have prayed that way? Raise your hand. No. Don't raise your hand. That's not good. <laughs> but have you ever thought of that in your head? Maybe. If you have, then maybe you should think on these verses and let it convict you a little. What have you thought of your enemies? Have you thought, have you wanted good things to happen to them? Or do you want them to learn a lesson? Now, these are not, I'm not telling you necessarily, do you want them to learn a lesson for treating you badly? <laughs> huh? Jono did. You want to teach them a lesson. So you're the teacher. Who's the teacher? Are you the teacher, Ray? Jesus is talking. Well, go ahead, you're saying that? Jesus, Jesus is talking to a group of people. Again, bringing it back to first century. Who is he talking to? A bunch of people who are oppressed and mistreated and bullied and, and treated badly in the crowd. When he tells them to love your enemies, Again, he's already irritating people who's already been very irritated by the first chapter. They're even more irritated now. Love your enemies. Jesus, what are you talking about? Is what they're dealing with. That's the immediate context of Jesus' challenge to their viewpoint. That their viewpoint is what's so important is what's happening to the Jewish nation and what happened to our nation. And the Roman Empire is evil. And we only want evil things to happen to Rome. We only want good things to happen to the Jews. That mentality, Jesus is coming and directly challenging that. That's the, the immediate context of that. But the other side of that is, is who is writing this down for who? Right? Matthew is writing this in Greek to a community. Maybe 40 years after Jesus died and resurrected, right? So Jesus, Matthew is talking to what kind of community? When Matthew is writing this letter, this gospel, 
and he's, he's giving it to the people, what kind of community are they? What kind of community are they, Sue? Matthew wrote this letter, this gospel, and it's getting distributed among whom? Who are reading Jesus' words? Christians, right? He's, he's going around the churches, and all of these Christians, how are they doing? They are dealing with what in their lives? Persecution, right? So the Christians who are reading this for the first time, the immediate audience of Matthew, right? Jesus has his audience, right, which is the crowd. Matthew has his audience, which is the church, right? And the church is looking at that in the persecution, and they're wondering about what to do. And then the Holy Spirit has us. We're the audience, the final audience, right? So we have these three levels of audiences. We're this final audience hearing all of this and trying to put Jesus' words into action. And I think that the key here is not about being a doorman and not about letting other people walk over you. It's that in every single situation that we're dealing with other people mistreating us, what is our hope for them? That they get mistreated too? Or is it what? Not that they get everything that they want, right? Is that they get better. There is something that's wrong in their life that causes them to mistreat you. What has gone wrong in their life that has caused them to become so hostile? Have you ever thought of that way? Have you ever looked at it that way? What is it about this person that they treat me so badly? What went wrong in their life? Who mistreated them? What happened to their dad and mom? What happened to their spouse? What caused it? And maybe God can fix it. Well, I'll be earlier next time. All right. See you.